0: Good morning. Before we hear God's Word read and we dive into the sermon, I thought I'd just give us a little bit of an introduction. Now, we're going to be talking this morning, among other things, about doubt. Now, I don't know if you're as old as I am, but you might remember a TV show called The X-Files. And in the X-Files, they had a slogan, trust no one. And that really is something that has become a slogan for our society. Maybe you're in the academic world and out there in the world of post-modernity, they tell you that skepticism is the ultimate virtue. We live in a world where our politicians and media speak of fake news. We've lost faith. We've lost faith in our leaders, in our institutions, in our history. And sometimes that loss of faith has good reason because the media has just exposed just how frail and fragile and flawed our leaders are. But we have lost. What have we lost? Well, we've lost the security because much of what we used to look to to keep us safe, we're told no longer has our best interests at heart. We've lost stability because we used to look to ideas and institutions and society as a whole to give us meaning and value and purpose. We've lost support because no longer can we turn to those around us because we don't trust them. And so we are increasingly isolated and alone. This doubt is ultimately paralyzing. It breaks us down and it leaves us incapable of meaningful action. C.S. Lewis captures this. He speaks of intellectual doubt in a book called The Abolition of Man. Let me read you just a little bit. He says, you cannot go explaining away forever. You will find that you have explained explanation itself away. You cannot go seeing through things forever. The whole point of seeing through something is to see something through it. It's good that the window should be transparent because the street or the garden beyond it is opaque. How if you saw through the garden too? It's no use trying to see through first principles. And if you see through everything, then everything is transparent, but a wholly transparent world is an invisible world. To see through all things is the same as not to see. Ultimately, doubt, we have a deeper doubt. There's a doubt of the truth, the goodness, the reality of God. And I'd like to speak this morning, particularly to two groups of people. Firstly, for believers who doubt. And if we're honest, pretty much that's all of us. We might feel guilty. I'm a bad Christian. I shouldn't have these doubts. I wish, I wish I had faith like them. This is a passage for you. But also for doubters who entertain belief. Let me ask, what would it take to convince you? What evidence would be enough? Well, this passage is just for you for all of us i suppose but particularly for you and daniel is going to read to us
1: from john chapter 20. good morning everyone my name is daniel and i hope you're having a great time this morning i'll be bringing us the bible reading today which is going to be from john chapter 20 from verse 19 to the end of the chapter before we start i'll pray for us father we thank you for your word that you caused it to be written so that we may come to know your son and have true life in his name. We ask that you will prepare our hearts and minds to hear your word today, that we would not only hear it, but through it come to know and love you more and put it into practice in our lives, bringing forth good fruit to your praise and glory. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus, our risen saviour and Lord. Amen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name.
0: Thanks, Daniel. Three points for my sermon this morning all start with T. Thomas task and testimony. Helpful also to have your Bible open with you so that you can follow along. Now it's Sunday night. It's been a strange day. Mary Magdalene has come with the excited words that she has seen Jesus, and Peter and John have raced off to the tomb to check it out. They've gone, they've gone in, Peter, then John, they've found the grave closed, they've found the tomb empty. The ten disciples are together. It's the evening. The doors are locked. They're confused. The the text tells us that they're afraid. They're afraid that they also will be arrested. And then all of a sudden, there is Jesus. And he greets them. Peace be with you. And he shows them his hands and his side. And the ten disciples are overjoyed. But verse 24 tells us this. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Now you may have heard of Thomas before. The guy's almost become a proverb. You may have heard someone described as a doubting Thomas. Now Thomas meets this ecstatic exclamation. We've seen the Lord with emphatic rebuttal. He says, unless I put my finger in the nail holes in his hands, unless I put my hand in the wound made by the spear in his side, I will not believe. And the way this is written makes it clear that Thomas is saying, I will never, ever, not in a million years, believe. Why does Thomas doubt? Well, John doesn't tell us. Maybe it was just that dead guys don't rise. Maybe there was so much riding on this for Thomas that he didn't want to be taken in. Because no one likes being taken for a ride and there were really big stakes resting on Jesus. His disciples, those around him who had put their trust in him, they saw that he was God's promised king. He embodied all their hopes for what God was going to do to rescue his people and set the world right. There was a lot riding on Jesus. And belief in Jesus... This trust that we speak of, it's not just an academic effect. It's not just him agreeing to a fact in history. It is actually putting your trust in a person. And so when they say, we've seen Jesus, all the hopes, all the dreams, they're back in play. This is the one who said, come and follow me." He's not just a historical fact. He's a living Lord. And he claims authority over everything. So Thomas, he wants to be sure. And maybe you can sympathise with him. It's a week later. It's Sunday night. The ten are together. But Thomas is with them. Again, the doors are locked. And again, The Lord Jesus appears in their midst and he says to them, peace be with you. And then he turns to Thomas. He knows. He knows what Thomas has said. He knows that he has expressed doubt. He knows what Thomas said he needed to see. Jesus cares. Not only does he know, but he cares. He doesn't tell Thomas off. How dare you? That's outrageous. He offers him exactly what he asked for. He offers his hands. He offers his side. And he offers the encouragement. Do not doubt, but believe. Now, John tells us, or more to the fact, he doesn't tell us, That Thomas took up the offer. He doesn't tell us that Thomas put out his hand and touched Jesus' hand and put his hand in Jesus' side. He's convinced from the moment Jesus turns up in the room. He says emphatically, verse 28 My Lord and my God. Is it a statement of belief? Is it a declaration of commitment? Is it a cry of worship? Well, yes, to all three. Thomas encounters Jesus. And he is transformed. The doubter becomes the missionary. And that brings us to our second point. Task. Now, if you're familiar with John's Gospel, you'll remember that Jesus has already commissioned his disciples. Back in chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, we read this. Jesus is speaking to his disciples before his death and resurrection. He says, when the advocate comes, that's the spirit of truth, whom I will send to you from the Father, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also, must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning." Jesus has told them that they are going to be eyewitnesses, they are going to bear testimony to the fact of his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. And he doesn't leave them alone. He promises them the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit, who testifies as well. Now, Jesus, in this encounter, he repeats his commission. He says this in verse 21. He says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, the Father sent the Son on a mission, a mission to bring salvation, life, through his death and resurrection. And now the Son is sending the disciples on a mission. Not the same mission. Jesus' mission was finished on the cross. Remember those words. It is finished. But their mission is a continuation of his. They are to bear witness to his finished work. And then in verse 22, he once again promises them the Holy Spirit With that, he breathed, the NIV says, on them, but that's actually not there in the original. He exhales and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He promises them that at Pentecost, the Spirit will come upon them in power and equip them for the task of mission. They will be equipped to bear testimony to the world. And the disciples were transformed. These afraid, confused men, they now literally spend their lives to be witnesses to the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And if church history is right, it may not be. But if it is, Thomas spent his life travelling east. He went through Iran and Iraq and across into India. And there... There he met his death, speared under the authority of the king. Now, this transformation from doubt to faith, from fear to mission, it shows us something. It shows us that the task of mission is not for everyone who's got it all together. Because these men were flawed men. They had doubts. They knew what it was to be afraid. But they had the one qualification that was necessary. Their faith was in the Lord Jesus. But was this task just for them? Well, yes and no. Yes, because those men, those 11 men, and then Matthias, who was added to them, they are unique. We are not eyewitnesses, so it can't be for us to bear eyewitness testimony. But it's not unique, because this is a commission that is given to the church as it exists at the time. Just that little nucleus of men. It is given to those to whom the Spirit is promised. And that is now every believer. And we have their testimony, which brings us to our final point. Let's get back to doubt. Now, on one level, the disciples are completely unique. The Lord Jesus had appeared in their midst. He spoke with them. He ate with them. They saw him. They heard him. They touched him. But for us, the Lord Jesus has ascended. And although he's perfectly capable to do whatever he chooses, I don't believe that we should expect an encounter like Thomas had. So what are we to do? How is it that our doubt can be answered? How is it that we can come to have faith or have our faith strengthened? How can we have faith in the risen Lord Jesus and find life in his name? Well, John writes for us these words. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John tells us, the spirit who inspired those words tells us that they are sufficient, that what we have in the Scriptures, what we have in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, are sufficient to bring us to see what Thomas saw, to know what the disciples knew and to share with others. We have their testimony written in the Scriptures. They're available for all of us to read. And we also have the Holy Spirit. And John records for us Jesus' promise that the Spirit himself will testify. He will testify in our hearts and he will testify in the hearts of others. He will bring us to see what Thomas saw. He will bring us to confess what Thomas himself confessed. He will bring us to testify to what Thomas testified to what countless others Throughout history have testified that Jesus of Nazareth is God's promised king. That Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead. That Jesus of Nazareth is Lord and God. And that through faith in him, we can find life and life to the full. So what about doubt? What about those believers who doubt? What are they meant to do? What about the doubter who honestly entertains belief? What this tells us is stay in God's word. If you want to see Jesus, if you want your faith to be rock solid, stay in God's word. We have the testimony. We have the Holy Spirit. And ask that spirit, ask him to open your eyes, to soften your heart, to open your mind so that you might see him and trust him and have life in his name. Amen.